whatever you are doing, if you don't have 110% conviction on it, like this is the best product in the world, if it isn't the best product in the world and you're trying to sell it, go find what you think is the best product in the world and convince them that you should be selling that. Because I will tell you, you will make exponentially more doing that than you would doing the other thing. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hey, listeners of the podcast, we've put together an exciting community where you can dive deeper into the content of every single episode. And for those of you who join this community from the podcast, we'll give you an access to a course we've just put together worth $500, all yours for free, while we're sending this out to our listeners of the podcast. Simply go to sellingwithlove.com forward slash podcast to be eligible to get this course for free. And we look forward to seeing you in the community. Thanks again for listening. And now, Enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Selling with Love podcast. Super excited for the guest that I have today. Matter of fact, we've been trying to coordinate our schedules for almost a year as he's been a man spending a lot of his time in airplanes going towards various startups and helping them with their entrepreneurial journey. And what we're going to be discussing today is really about if you're out there building a company, where does the skill of sales fit into the big picture? What does the journey look like if you're somebody that currently looks at themselves and says, I am not good at sales, this is not my thing, yet we're going to look at the case study of an amazing man who has embraced this skill, seen it, and even identifies it within companies that he works for, and we're going to see how you can actually use this skill in a way that is more ethical, actually empowers you, and where are the key nuances that you want to pay attention to to be great at raising money from investors, selling your product and service, selling your vision to the employees as you go out and build an amazing company. And the man for this is none other than Steve Hoffman, or better known in Silicon Valley as Captain Hoff. He's the chairman and CEO of Founderspace, a global innovation hub for entrepreneurs, corporations, investors with over 50 partners in 22 countries. He's a best-selling author with books that include Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Forces. He is a speaker and an innovator himself, had worked in various industries from TV, video games. He's been a producer. Oh my God, this man. I love how he defines himself as the man who has more different careers than a cat has lives. But really, he's had a chance to work in so many different fields. But for everything he's done, he's always been out there advocating for innovation and allowing founders and startups to grow. And he's here to share with us today. Captain Hoff, welcome to the show. Jason, it is great to be here. Uh, it's such a fantastic time to have you here. And as we're going to be going in a memory lane for a lot of your sales background, but first we got to address, you know, the elephant in the room before they fly, which is Captain Hoff. There must be a story around that. Tell us more. Captain Hoff is my gamer handle. So I am an avid gamer. I have loved games since childhood. I have made games. I've created over 50 games. They're on mobile phones, computers, board games, you name it. That has been one of my many careers as a game creator. And so everybody called me Captain Hoff and it stuck. Oh, I love that. Now, I'm asking for a friend, okay? But, you know, for people that do enjoy games, and I'm kidding because I really enjoy games. And at the same time, I almost like 
shame and guilt myself for liking games. But here you are very successful embracing games, but there must be a way of doing it that is actually more beneficial as opposed to being a distraction. And of course, like I said, I'm asking for a friend. What would be a tip you would give for people that have an interest in games so it doesn't become a distraction, but could actually be a, something fruitful for them on their entrepreneurial journey? Well, games are a great way to relax. Like you're stressed out, but you have to limit the time. And the key is not to play those games that take hours or days to complete because those just suck you and even me. Like I love games too much. I have to control my gaming habit. So I'll set aside a short amount of time. Oh, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Great way to play. You go over that, it does become a distraction. Fantastic. So I will relay that information to my friend and we will build better habits at the same time. In all seriousness, we are talking about sales a lot on this podcast. And for a lot of listeners, you know, this whole aspect of sales is looked at yucky, murky, something manipulative. And I love the fact that you obviously have been building a ton of companies. You've sold your books. You've worked with tons of people. There's an element of sales in everything that you do. And for some, they say, oh, some of the people out there, they, it just comes to them naturally. But I feel like you've went on a bit of a journey for discovering this skill yourself. And I wanted you to, to walk us through that. I did. I went on a huge journey because I was actually the worst salesperson who ever walked on this planet. At least that's what I believed. <laughs> I was shy, first of all, and I just couldn't even imagine. I couldn't wrap my head around. How do you sell to somebody? How do you convince them to buy your product? Like It seems so alien to my personality to do that. So it took me a long time to find out what sales were and what my style of selling is. And I think that's the key for people out there. You have to understand you and try not to sell like somebody else. You're hitting the nail on the head here because it's oftentimes we're looking at media and we're thinking, oh, look, there's the example of sales. I need to watch something like Mad Men and think this is how I need to behave. I need to wear that suit. I need to be calm, collective, slick back hair, always have the right thing to say. And just like every meeting, I'm going to say that one line that makes the entire boardroom you know, wow, that was amazing. But that puts a lot of pressure and it also tries to put everybody in the same box. And so I'd love to know, you know, what are things you've discovered in your journey to discover that style for yourself? And is there any tip that you could give for someone who's like, oh, I could have my own style? Like, how do I even start thinking about that? Okay, I'll give you a few tips right off the bat that I learned the hard way. Number one, don't try too hard. <laughs> I have a rule called lean back don't lean forward when you're trying to sell. Like nobody likes the pushy salesperson. Nobody likes the salesperson who is intent on getting you to buy something. You walk into a store and they're focused, maybe because of their commission, maybe because their boss is breathing down the neck of pushing some product onto you. That never works. So first of all, that image of a salesperson on the used car lot, wherever it is, just don't do that. The second thing, you have to learn is that the most important thing about selling, there's two really critical things. Number one, finding out what the person really wants. So great selling is about great listening, like really listening to the person and hearing them and then figuring out, oh, they don't even want this, they want that. Number two, being super helpful. Like, be helpful, guide them. If it's not what they want, you know, tell them, oh, this isn't good for you. You know, what you're telling me is you don't want this. At the end of the day, that mindset, even though you may lose some sales because you're gonna tell people you don't want my product, actually what you want is this, that mindset will help you close way more deals because you will be in the mindset of I'm not pushing it on them. I'm actually 
helping them through a process, through a decision-making process, and I have their best interest in mind. So that was one. Number three is, like I said, you have to know your style. Now, people respond to people not because they're slick, not because they have all the right answers. They respond to people because they're genuine and they trust them. Think about yourself. If you meet somebody and they're genuine and you trust them, you kind of relate to them, you know, you're much more comfortable buying from this person than somebody else and you will stick with that person. So really great salespeople are just themselves. They let their guard down. They don't try to push product. They don't try to be super friendly or make small chat. You know, those things, you know, you can say, oh, you're a really good talker. Those things actually don't matter as much as a person just going, if you're a quiet, a shyer type of person, be that quiet, shyer type of person. You know, some people love that. You know, they want the person who's not gonna push them, not gonna be abrasive, that's really gonna guide them through the process. These things are really important. And then I can go on, but what I wanna do is actually take you into the world of venture capital and how you sell in that world. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was thinking. Since you worked in so many different industries, there must be some nuances around the different worlds. And the venture capital one is probably one that's most foreign to my listeners. So I'd be very excited to dig in. But just from what you said so far, I think these are all amazing insights. And I find it fascinating because I speak to someone like you and you know, I don't think you advocate yourself as a sales trainer. I don't think that's the typical label that would be put on your head. You're working in various industries with founders, yet everything you speak about in sales is everything that we keep repeating on this channel from sales experts and trainers. And I love that you're out there, you're applying this, you're seeing this, and you're sharing from your own experience, which again is reinforcing the message in a very powerful way. The key of listening, being yourself, being helpful, this is what we need to shift the conversation about when we wanna do great selling. Now, of course, in the venture capital world, I'm sure there's some nuances, so I'd be curious for you to elaborate more. Yeah, so venture capital is a big sale. It's a big strategic sale. So there are small sales and big sales. Now, a lot of the rules apply across all sales. So I'm gonna tell you some rules here, and I'm gonna tell you a story that will help you on any sales journey, like whatever you're selling. Because at the end of the day, it's a people business. It's about the people. It's about how you relate to people. And it's a business when you get into the strategic, larger sales about how you navigate things. So when I started my first venture-funded startup, I was horrible. Like I said, I was just a really shy, really bad salesperson. And I would go up to venture capitalists and try to convince them my company's great. They should pay attention to me. They should, you know, they should focus on my company. It was extremely hard to get their attention, to break through. This is the early days of Silicon Valley. I didn't have relationships there. Also, there were no startup incubators. Like I run Founderspace now and Incubator. Those things didn't exist. So it was just me knocking on doors, you know, making cold calls, sending emails, trying everything I could to get through the right people. I finally got through to an angel investor. And this angel investor said they love what we're doing in our startup company. They love it. And the angel investor says they want to invest. The next thing the angel investor does is the angel investor asks for more material. And this is natural. So I give them more. And the problem was this kept going on, not for one week, not for two weeks, not for five weeks. It went on for months, like months. You know, every time the angel investor would call, they would have a new request. 
And then I would think, oh, if I give them this, that will close the deal. Like that's all they need to make a decision to invest. Never happened, right? The bottom line is this angel investor and most of the early investors I was talking to never invested. And what did I do? I kept chasing them, trying to get them to close. Suddenly, a light bulb went off on my head. So this is my rule number one, and I will give you more after this. But rule number one is when you're selling, do not chase the target. Do not chase the customer. Because literally, people are primed to buy at certain times. And really smart salespeople, they spend more of their time trying to figure out and qualify who is ready to buy right now. And then they put 90% of their time into that person and 10% spread across everybody else. And so I have a rule with investors and it's called the Prince Charming rule. And the Prince Charming rule is this, every investor is a frog. Every investor is a frog. And you, as the entrepreneur, you want that frog to turn into Prince Charming and literally carry you away and you know make all your dreams come true, give you the money. So only kiss that frog three times. Now, what do I mean by that? The first kiss is your first meeting with that investor where you like pitch them, you know, and if you kiss the frog and on the first meeting, they turn into Prince Charming, great. But let me tell you, usually this doesn't happen. <laughs> usually, you know, you, the first kiss doesn't work. So you set up a second meeting. But before you set up that second meeting, you need to do something. You need to say, is there anything else you need to make a decision? And you can do this in the meeting itself, the first meeting, or most likely after the first meeting. So you met with them, you kind of got introduced, they like you, say, is there anything else you need to close this deal? And is there anybody else that needs to be in the room? These are really critical because if there are other people that need to be in the room, you want them in the room. Then you go set up the second meeting and give the investor whatever they need. So the second meeting is usually a week later. Don't let too much time slide. The more time that slides, the less likely they are to close. So a week is plenty of time. Set up the second meeting, get in with them, pitch them again, ask them questions like, what do you need? What am I not giving you? Is there anything holding you back? from moving forward. These basic questions not only give you really critical information, but they also put the investor in a position where they understand that they are expected to close. Like you have to expect them to close the deal. And you do that not by pushing them, but by asking, what are you thinking? Where are you at? Are you seeing anything else out there? Anything that concerns you? And then you can address these points. And you will all of a sudden understand a lot more about your company because these investors are really smart. So you're not wasting your time asking these questions. You're actually learning about your business from somebody you may pay thousands of dollars for consulting, but you're getting it for free. They're giving it to you for free. So if you listen and if you ask the right question. So I always say, don't pitch an investor. Don't pitch somebody. Have a conversation. And in that conversation, your main goal will be, number one, to make sure they understand what you're doing, what value you're providing. And then number two, you need to understand where they're at, what's going on inside their head. So you go through this process back and forth. At the end of meeting number two, you know, you follow up with them. Well, at the end of meeting number two, you ask them to close. Like you literally say, okay, can I send you the term sheet? Can we get going? You know, usually you have a term sheet, a safe note, or some sort of thing for them to sign to close the investment and you offer to give it to them. 
if they say, oh, we're not ready yet, of course, this gives you a great opportunity. Every time they say no, it's a great opportunity for you to figure out why. Why are you saying no? And you start to do this, you become really knowledgeable about what investors are thinking and it increases your odds way later. If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make under two minutes, well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. So if they say, no, I still need to run this up the flagpole, I need to do more diligence or that and say, okay, well, this is where you kind of lay down the law. You've met with them twice. It's the end of your second meeting. You say, you know, I'm talking to a lot of people. My time is really limited. I need to know from you sooner rather than later. Can we set up a date when you will be able to have finished this process and we can meet and close the deal? And so you try to get a date for them to do that. Hopefully not more than a week away. Push for that date. And then you give them whatever they need. If there's due diligence, get everybody on board, do whatever they have to do. Final meeting. Before the final meeting, you say, again, is there anything more preventing you from moving forward with this deal? I really want to know it. And number two, is there anybody else, you know, we have to engage with before this meeting that we have to get information to you to close? You meet with them, you go over everything again. You don't have to be pushy. You're just asking questions that are logical questions in the sales process. It's like mapping it out. You literally map out all your questions in advance. You don't leave it to chance. And then you sit down with them and hopefully you close. And my rule is this, if you've kissed that frog three times, and they haven't turned into your Prince Charming, they will never be your Prince Charming. They are a frog. So let them hop away. They are not a Prince Charming to you, at least. Maybe to somebody else. That's my rule, and I can give you more. Well, already you've given us so much, and I love this example. And if I understood this correctly as well, when you talk about kissing the frog, this is asking for the clothes, right? This is like really going forward and saying like, yeah, let's move forward. And then you're facing the resistance, which gives you the clarity for you to go ask more powerful questions to get better organized. And you would do this up to three times. And after that third time, there must be something that's not being said, there must be something going on, where the seriousness of the moving forward wouldn't be there because they would have addressed it in the previous times you asked them to clarify, right? Sometimes people just aren't going to buy from you. So there's some people that are looky loose, like that original angel, that angel was never going to invest. That person was interested, but 
they were just not going to do it. And there are so many people out there like that. It doesn't matter. They could be in a big corporation. They could be interested, but they don't have the decision-making power. They're not the decision-maker. It could be a venture fund. Some venture funds don't have as much money as they claim to be, or they're in an interim period. There's all the stuff they won't tell you a lot of times, even if you ask, like point blank. A lot of people just won't tell you the real reason because they're embarrassed by it. There's some people out there who just want to sell you a service and they're pretending to be investors. You need to cut through all that. And at the end of the line, even if you think there's a chance they will invest in the future, maybe if you've talked to them five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times, they might. The curve is like this. On your first meeting, the very low probability of selling. Second meeting, medium probability. Third meeting, it starts to peak. And every sales cycle is different. Like some of these corporate sales cycles, I'm talking investor cycles. So you have to map it out on a typical cycle. But in investor meeting, by the third meeting, if they're serious, you know, their job is to place money. So by the third meeting, sometimes it goes to a fourth or fifth. That's fine. You know, these aren't hard and fast rules. But literally, after that, it starts to decline exponentially and it goes down. So you're at like the seventh meeting, you're wasting your time. <laughs> you are really serious investors. A lot of times I've gotten term sheets literally on the first meeting, on the first meeting for millions and millions of dollars. So, you know, if they're ready to invest, you have the right things, you say the right things, it can happen. One thing I would want to highlight from dealing with venture capital is that not only are you there and practicing your sales skills and they're very essential, but you're dealing with actually a sophisticated buyer. And I think that would be the difference between being in a, you know, B2C or selling directly to consumer and you're going out there and the person is an uneducated buyer. Like they're not an expert at buying and so you're going in with your sales skills and it's not a predictable flow and you're dealing probably a lot more with the emotions. But when you're going to the venture capital, like this is a professional buyer. They're also trying to close the deal as much as you're trying to sell it. And so I love this rule that if you're in this place where there is a professional buying process, you as a professional seller, you're setting strong boundaries, you're communicating confidently, and then you're making sure that you're following that rule of three. I think that's a great golden rule. But I need to ask you, since you've worked with so many founders and the way you just communicated this and talking about, hey, you ask for the clothes, you ask for the term sheet, you do it within three meetings, you ask them, hey, what are other questions? I don't know if that skill comes naturally for a lot of the founders you work with. There must be a lot of anxiety, nervousness, resistance to selling. Oh my God, is it too pushy to even ask for the term sheet? There's a big mindset piece, I would think, that comes from experience or maybe key skill set. And I'd love to know what's the work that you would do with founders who are feeling this anxiety about, oh my God, I'm going to meet somebody with money and it's actually nerve wracking. Well, that was me. I was totally nerve wracked like throughout this entire process. The rules I'm telling you are rules I learned over years. Like they didn't come that first time around it was extremely difficult. And there's more to that story. Like I will tell you, but honestly, if you are nervous, that's normal. Some people are natural, they're cool under all conditions. Other people like me, like who are shy. Literally, the more you do something, the less stressful it becomes, the lower the anxiety. So you can think of any social situation that you've been in in the past. If you go to do that social situation over and over, it becomes routine. So you're going to feel stressed. There's no way for me to tell an entrepreneur I can just magically wave a wand or say something and remove all that stress in your mind, all that anxiety over saying these things. What I can tell you is that you want to practice structured sales. So you want to put this in a structure, you want to stick it in the structure, and you want to be as dispassionate as possible. So you want to be 
to divorce yourself from feelings of rejection, to divorce yourself from feelings of anxiety. You just go through the process. You don't expect yourself to be brilliant. It's not about you being brilliant. You will become more brilliant the more comfortable you get, the more relaxed you are, the more of yourself you feel, and the more times you do it. So some people are natural athletes, other people have to train. But even people who are good athletes or great athletes that train become even better. So what I'm saying is put on your training wheels, go through the process over and over and over what I'm talking about, and it'll get easier. Like the 20th time you ask for the term sheet, it'll be like routine. You're like, I've just done that 19 times. I was really nervous the first time, but they didn't bite my head off. And you say these things not in a pushy way. Your goal is not to push them into it. You say it as if you're going through a checklist. This will take a lot of pressure off. You're just, now I'm going to ask for the term sheet. Now I'm going to ask for the next meeting. Now I'm going to ask if, you know, there are other people that should be in the room. You just go through this and you'll become more and more comfortable and then it will start to come out naturally. It's not going to come out naturally like at the beginning and don't expect it to or you'll be disappointed. Well, I love that you reinforce that because I think that's a bit of the expectation we put on ourselves is like, I need to be perfect on the first try. And even me, when I teach for a lot of people in the sales process, there's a big need that seems to come of saying, oh my God, can you just give me the scripts, give me the templates, like give me everything cookie cutter so I can't veer off the road. I'd be curious to know what's your opinion around going out there to figure out your own process versus just inheriting something that's already been designed that's, you know, off a template. Maybe you're looking at a blog post or you bought a program that's going to tell you here are the exact steps. Where do you put the line on how much you should be structured and maybe borrowing it versus just going out there, experiencing it and tailoring your own experience? So this is it. I never have a script, like never. First of all, I'm dyslexic. It's really hard for me to stick to a script, you know, a little ADD all over the place. Like I'm not going to stick to a script, but I have a structure. So I think if you take a template as a structure, if really you don't go line for line with what somebody's telling you, you look at the big points, right? The milestones out there, like the markers, like this is what smart, this is how smart people structure deals. These are the things that smart people weave in their conversation. And then you just do it naturally. Like even in pitches, like I'll go and if you're preparing your pitch, I coach entrepreneurs on this all the time. I'm pitching VCs, you know, prepare your pitch deck and your pitch and everything you do memorize it and then throw it out. When you get up there, you're going to have a conversation with them. This is why I said you're having a conversation. You're not pitching them. Don't go through a script. Nobody wants to be pitched at. People's eyes glaze over when they're being pitched at. No, you're interested in them. You're having a conversation, yet you know the points you need to get to. You need to get to these critical points along the way. It doesn't really matter. Honestly, whoever you're selling to will forget 98% of what you say, 98%. The only thing they're going to walk away with that 2% is a feeling. Yeah, this person, I like them. I need that product. I'm going to buy it or no. Like this isn't interesting to me. That's all they're going to walk. So you can stumble along the way. You can, you know, make mistakes. It's really good to admit you don't know something when you don't know it. You know, all of these things, they just be natural, be yourself, but always have that structure in your head that you're following so that you can actually have a sales process that yields results and isn't just random scattershot conversation. I love everything you've been able to share. I mean, when somebody's looking at venture capital raising funds, it seems like something that could be completely outside the realm of what is known for people who aren't in that industry. 
but yet you're speaking about it. It's the same as any other sales process, right? You have certain milestones, you have certain critical points, and then you're learning how you got to leave people with that feeling. And I love that you highlighted that because it's so important. People remember how you made them feel. It's such a powerful reminder that, you know, sometimes we overthink and you know, when you're too much in your own head and not focused enough on the needs of the client, when you're feeling that stress and anxiety and you're like, hey, we're here to serve. As you mentioned earlier, we should be thinking about the other person, not so much on ourselves. I just wanted to know, given now we're in 2022 and midway through the year, I'd be very curious to know what are some of the exciting projects you're working on now? What's getting you excited about the future? What industries do you find are the most exciting these days? So I love technology. I love startups. I love entrepreneurs. Like I've been an entrepreneur. I did three venture funded companies. This was my first one where I stumbled through the process, learned it all. But I'll tell you right now, really exciting time. And I'll tell you why. Because the number of people innovating, creating new technology around the world, billions of people around the world, you know, all connected on the internet, exchanging ideas, exchanging information, the rate is accelerating. Every time a new technology enters the world, it opens up all these opportunities, like all these opportunities for new businesses, for entrepreneurs, for people to sell new things, right? And make the world better. I just spent a month in Europe. So I spent a month in Europe. I looked at over a hundred startups. Like I was just like going through startup after startup after startup. And I'll look at a hundred startups as somebody who invests in startups and somebody who helps startups. Like I bring startups from all over the world into the US market. So I looked at a hundred startups. I found just one I liked. And my rule, and this is for selling, this is for whatever you do in your life. Like it's really important. All the ones that were okay or good not good enough for me. I have to have complete, complete conviction on this startup in order to invest my time and my money in it. So whatever you're doing, this is my advice to all of you. There's going to be so many more opportunities out there in the future than there were in the past. But whatever you are doing, if you don't have 110% conviction on it, like this is the best product in the world, I'm going to like, you know, if it isn't the best product in the world and you're trying to sell it, go find what you think is the best product in the world and convince them that you should be selling that. Because I will tell you, you will make exponentially more doing that than you would doing the other thing. In your life, weed out everything else. And so that's what my philosophy is now. I work with very few startups and I just go with the ones I think, wow, this is going to make a huge impact. I look at the team and you said, you know, how do you know, know a great team? I know great team members. One, can they execute? Have they actually done something in their life? Can they show me that they've done something out of the ordinary? Number two, can they sell? Especially the CEO, the leader of a company, an entrepreneur, his number one job is to bring resources into that company. First thing they have to sell is other team members. How do you get great team members on your team? You have to sell them, right? You have to convince them your vision. These worthless shares are gonna be worth something. You have to sell investors. You have to sell customers. You have to sell the press and the media. So I'm always out there looking for that. That's what I'm doing. That sounds so exciting and so much fun. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing these insights from your perspective. It's so valuable. And to me, absolutely fascinating because it's an industry I'm so distant to. But hearing you explain how it is just brings it a little more closer, a little more accessible and realizing that, again, the skill of sales so important. Everyone listening, I know this is exactly what I speak about every single show, but I'm glad that I brought someone within a different industry speaking about a unique sales cycle and again, reinforcing the power that it has. So please put aside all the stereotypes we have around the sliminess, the used car salesman image or the madman image and realize from what Captain Hoff has shared today, 
learn that you have to build your own authentic style of selling. There's not a cookie cutter. We're there to help people. We're here to listen to people. Again, these are foundational skills of sales that most people don't think when we label something as a salesperson, we don't think of these key skills, but that's really what makes people be the best in the world. I love how you've really iterated how focus is so important on looking to work with the best and accept only the best everywhere within our lives. And if you're out there doing a process of purchasing and selling the kiss, the three frogs technique, I think is something we could keep in mind. So that we're not out there chasing forever like a needy needy person we go out there and we set very firm boundaries we have a three rules to make sure that we get clarifying questions and we get to close within that time frame we have that patience don't expect everything on the first call but after those three first times that you've come in and communicated clearly ask for the proper questions and clarifications and see that things still aren't moving it might be time for you to start looking at your other opportunities because they might not be in a position to move forward as much as you expected Captain Ha, once again, thank you so much for your time, all the wisdom that you've shared. And I have a standard question I love to ask on this show, which I, you've already addressed it in some way, but I'm going to ask you to reiterate here, which is what does selling with love mean to you? Selling with love for me is, first of all, loving yourself. Like if you love and accept yourself, then people are going to love and accept you. Second, love whoever you're selling to. Really care about them. And that is selling with love. Brother, I step back for those who are watching the video, you're going to notice I'm putting the last chapter of my book, which is exactly what you said, which oh, is yeah! love yourself, I brother. <laughs> <laughs> I Thank have to you. read your book. I haven't read it yet, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a short read if ever. I'll send you a copy if you're interested and for everybody else. I of would course. love it. Where would you want people to go once they've been excited? They've listened to this. They're like, wow, I need to connect with Captain Hoff. What would be the best place for them to find you? I'm super easy to find. You can find me at founderspace.com founder space, tons of videos. I have educational videos, all sorts of stuff. And I have a podcast there. You name it. It's all there. Send me your business plans. I love getting business plans. And if you're the one out of a hundred, I, you know, will engage with you. Also, you can find me on any of the social networks. So I'm on everyone. LinkedIn is a great place. Just search for Captain Hoff, founder space, or Steve Hoffman. And of course, for those of you who've been regularly listening to the show and had some of our experts on LinkedIn share, do go connect with him on LinkedIn. But of course, do it from your desktop. When you do connect, add a note and say, just heard you on the Selling with Love podcast and let him know what was your favorite part of the episode. It's always fun to get some reward as well as some recognition for exactly what are the messages that resonate the most whenever we share on podcasts. So please do that. It'll increase your connection ratio. And of course, you'll get a chance to have a quick chat with Captain Hoff. Thank you so much once again. And for all you listeners, keep going out there and sell with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.